Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Wrap, brought to you by Michigan Medicine Headlines. I'm Dan Elman with the Department of Communication. And I'm Dan's sidekick for the day, Bailey Merzik. Today, we're going to talk about high reliability in the HRO safety promise at Michigan Medicine. Now, before we get into that discussion, be sure you make the promise to get caught up on any episode of The Wrap you may have missed. You can find the shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other podcast hosting platform. New shows are also available on the Michigan Medicine YouTube channel and as part of the headlines week in review. All right, let's bring in our two guests for the day, Katherine Thompson and Dragon Spremo. Can the two of you first introduce yourselves and explain your roles in the organization? Sure. Thanks, Bailey. My name is Katherine Thompson. I work in the Office of Patient Safety, and I am the high reliability lead for our healthcare organization. I'm uh, Dragon Spremo. I'm MRI tech at uh... MRI radiology. Uh, I work in a math hospital in an OR. Awesome. Now, Dragon, first of all, congratulations are in order for you because in October you won the MHA Keystone Center Speak Up Award. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on the story that led to you receiving this award? Uh, of course. Uh, I'm first, I'm very pleased that I received that award uh, from the Keystone Center Speak Award in October. So, uh, Basically, what's happened as a part of the routine Michigan Medicine uh, hip dysplasia surgical uh, protocol, my scan a scanner was assigned to take a post-operative images of the patient. Uh, before the surgery, uh, adhering to our MRI policy, I talked to the patient family and with the screening form, which is also mandatory for MRI as a safety, and I didn't pick up any uh, a contraindication for patient to have a MRI. Uh, uh, following the surgery, my patient was uh, still under anesthesia care. Uh, they arrived equipped with the wireless uh, monitoring and in a spica cast. That's uh, just a plaster who is engulfed the whole patient body just to keep in place after procedure. After initial scan, we noticed some big black uh, uh, circle or shadow in a uh, uh, somewhere around the patient torso abdomen. Uh, our educated guess in first was that something came from the surgery, some kind of hardware or anything. Uh, we checked the patient. We initially suspicious of one of those wireless monitoring systems. We, uh, how say, uh, replaced that one. But immediately when he took the picture, we again noticed the same, uh, uh, we call artifact in my profession, which probably was coming from the, some kind of ferrous object. Uh, immediately we uh, get patient out and then we was pretty sure in that moment that something is in the patient body so we got patient out the scanner and uh, uh, all the, the services anesthesia services they order x-ray they was here in a few minutes we x-ray patient abdomen and we saw the metallic uh, like a beads eight of them uh, together in the stomach uh, immediately notify the, the services who is uh, covering the patient about our finding. And after that, they took over from us. Basically, patient went to the recovery and uh, they next day, patient got uh, uh, endoscopic surgery where those uh, beads, it turned out they are metallic beads, uh, were removed from the patient's stomach. How they got there, uh, patient brother get for a birthday, those metallic beads so that he can play, make a shapes and uh, it's a three years old kids. Somehow he <laughs> swallowed those. And uh, after surgery, patient uh, only damage, uh, not only, but the damage was on a stomach lining. 
And uh, just interesting, anecdotally, a few months later, I got the same patient to scan after same procedure. And because you didn't hear anything, meaning Ventan and Benful completely. So, yeah. So, so this event really, you, you really lived the safety promise when, when you, um, you know, detected this. And we often hear about our safety promise around our organization. But what does it mean to you to actually live our safety promise? Well, uh, as I married technologists, uh, well, how to say, living a safety promise in, in my daily work is not just a commitment. It's a, uh, in our uh, eyes, it's always patient first. Uh, the, how to say, uh, mistakes always happens, but our main job is that those mistakes does not reach the patient. So that's how how we uh, how I look at as our promise to the safety because because dealing with a strong magnetic field daily demanded uh, we always stay on the top of our games because uh, how say uh, we always say magnet is always on so regardless how you are not in mood that day or not you have to be on the top of your game because the magnet is always waiting and it's always gonna. Uh, I'll say the ma ma magnet is going to act how the magnet act is going to just attract whatever it's a, a ferromagnetic. Uh, also, uh, it's uh, involved always being aware of uh, potential uh, hazard, conducting truly safety assessment and training, and strictly following my uh, our department safety uh, policy. So uh, we also stressing that uh, just the way how where I work, we work in an MROR. We have a lots of training in the last 10 years. Uh, my team, four of us, we did always hundreds and hundreds of safety training for employees who is getting in contact with our room. And our always stress stress is not to scare them. Uh, it's more to just to respect the magnet because we believe that uh, how's the, the mistake is coming from, from being fear or something. And then if you respect, you're less prone to mistakes and uh, better gonna uh, how's they react in, in those situations. Also, living promises goes beyond just sticking to the guidelines. It's about actively looking for everybody's well-being. Even small things like uh, just pointing uh, uh, to uh, colleagues that shoelaces untied. It's uh, all those little things. Uh, it, it just co contribute to the whole uh, uh, safety environment. Uh, simply put, uh, if, I'm, if I can put it simply, uh, leaving the safety promises, ongoing effort to make safety part of everything what we do is about, you know, like uh, talking to each other uh, with a, a watchful and protective attitude and aiming to minimize risk in the safe environment. That's basically our uh, how I, I, I look on those my safety promises on a daily work. I mean, I, I think it's great. And and I just have one quick follow up to it. I assume a situation like this where you found an artifact in, in a patient. Um, in their stomach. Um, I assume that's extremely rare, but yet you're still looking out for every issue. You know, you're not just sort of, okay, well, I'm doing this however many times a day. So we're just going through the motions, right? How do you sort of stay on top of it so that it isn't just, you know, uh, ho-hum, we're doing this, we do it all the time. I know what I'm doing, but making sure that you're really, you know, every single time looking out for anything that may look amiss. Well, in MRI, that's literally everyday task because uh, uh, you can't believe how many metallic objects are on us or in us. And 
that, that's one thing. And I said, I can tell the stories. We, this one story grabbed attention, but I have, and all my colleagues have a lot of other stories uh, about what we actually prevent and not to happening from the flip phone hidden under the colostomy bag and so on, so on. So you always have to be prepared to, to anything. That's why we have a questionnaire trying to filter as much as we can, you know, of those uh, or artifact or pumps or so many different things it's there. And it's always involving just to say the safety because something what wasn't safe like a few years ago after research testing, we prove uh, that it's a safe and like uh, it used to be uh, uh, most of those implants or, or staples from the surgery, we have to wait the six weeks to get MRI. Nowadays, after research, uh, we've proved that there is no dangerous to patients. So literally, like in my room, we immediately scan the patient after the, the like a wound is or incision is closed. So it's a daily involvement. Uh, that's basically all. Yeah, that's great. All right, Catherine, let's turn to you. Now, Michigan Medicine has a safety coach program that's been growing recently. Can you explain that program and what the role of a safety coach is? Absolutely. So we started our high reliability journey in 2018. We spent uh, the majority of 2019 teaching our leaders high reliability leadership skills and tools and our universal relationship and reliability skills and tools. Then those leaders became trainers and we started teaching all staff and employee. Our goal was 30,000 individual employees were going to be trained on universal relationship and reliability skills and tools. And we started that training on January 6th of 2020. And then we all know what happened that spring. We've since converted that in-person awareness training to online learning available through Cornerstone. But what we know is that training staff and faculty on our universal relationship and reliability skills and tools is not enough. Just that training is not going to drive improved patient safety or reliability. It's really just awareness training. And that's where the safety coach program comes in. We know that if all employees and staff not only learn these behavior skills and tools, but how to apply them, how do you use them in your daily work? Like, how do you make it your skill? How do you make it your habit? How do you sustain it over time? We know best practices, that's the role of our HRO safety and reliability coaches. Their job is to reinforce, reinforce, reinforce those expected behavior skills and tools. So our safety coaches, our frontline staff from across the organization, they volunteer for this role. There's no compensation, though we do have swag and some tote bags, but they volunteer because they're passionate about the safety of our patients, the safety of our families and visitors for their peers and themselves. And their key responsibilities are to translate, to observe, to teach, to coach and to report. So really it's taking those universal relationship and reliability skills and making it their own. When do I use those relationship skills? Or like Dragon's story, when is attention to detail critical? When do I need to use those communication skills? When do I have a questioning attitude and say, what am I seeing here? And then reaching out to a team member to validate and verify what is that shadow? What is the artifact, right? And engaging that team. 
It's looking for high reliability in action and giving that five to one feedback when we see those skills and tools, right? Like Dragan said, speaking up and right, helping another person or congratulating them when you see high reliability in action. It's that coaching to reinforce, coaching to correct. We know there's teachable moments. I think we heard that in Dragan's story as well. And then our coaches have a strong partnership with their local leadership team, right? They're that second set of eyes, what they're seeing out in their work areas, partnering with their local leaders to think about um, what they might want to do next for an intervention to celebrate things that are going really well from a high reliability perspective or where there's opportunities and maybe they want to do something in a staff meeting or take over a visual board. So that's why we have the program. We um, celebrated our two-year anniversary this fall. We are over 140 HRO safety and reliability coaches strong. We're continuing to grow the program. We're onboarding coaches every six months. And we have them in the Children's Women's Hospital, our University Hospital, Cardiovascular Center, and all across ambulatory care, including the west side of the state. So we're really excited about this program. Yeah, so... I know you said there's about 140 coaches, and obviously that's not enough to have um, one in every every single area. But and even though like um, Dragon's not a coach, and other employees are not safety coaches themselves, what are some behaviors of safety coaches that you think all employees can model um, to contribute to better outcomes for patients like Dragon did? Yeah, I think you make a valid point, right? 30,000 frontline staff, and we have 140 plus HRO safety and reliability coaches. When we think about what a mature culture of safety is, every employee would be a safety coach, right? Everyone would be translating, teaching, observing, coaching, right? And talking with their local leadership team. And so on our endeavor there, I think everyone can take those HRO universal relationship and reliability skills. We've got a one pager, it's got that safety promise right at the top and saying, how does this apply to me? Where does this fit into my daily work? And how can I do this day in and day out? I love all our skills and tools, like I'm all in it with this high reliability. But when I think about if you do nothing else, right? If you had to just pick one thing, I would really go after those relationship skills. They are just foundational to everything that we do. Those relationship skills and the relationships that we're building one-on-one, -on -one, when we're in teams, right? How important that teamwork is when we're talking with our families and with our patients. And so those uh, relationship skills, right? To smile and greet others, introduce yourself and use preferred names. Um, communicating your good intent and assuming the good intent in others, actively listening with empathy and listening with an intent to understand, not getting ready to respond, and then ensuring that everyone has the opportunity to ask questions, right? To be able to get clarity if they're not sure on something, right? Or to gather more information so that we are armed with the right information to make the right decisions and we're preventing harm to patients, others, and ourselves. Yeah, and, and obviously one of the key um, skills as well, which Dragon exemplified, is employees being empowered to speak up with safety concerns. If they see something, to say something, right? So looking ahead to 2024, what are some, are some ways the HRO team will continue working to foster a culture where it's okay to speak up and, and you know everyone is encouraged to do so? Yeah. 
that speak up culture is really foundational to everything that we do in high reliability. When you think about what it means to be reliable, right? You're performing as expected over time, despite what's going on around you. So whether it's you as an individual, you as part of a team, or the systems around us, right? If we're performing as intended over time, you're going to improve safety, you're gonna improve quality of care, patient experience, employee engagement. And so uh, that speak up culture is just foundational and influences so much. In fact, in a mature culture of safety, it's not only that you feel empowered to speak up, it's that um, you're compelled to speak up, that not speaking up is the greater risk. And that's really where we're trying to go. And it starts with those leadership skills and tools. It starts with the universal relationship and reliability skills and tools. So we'll continue to promote them. Hence us being on the podcast today or celebrating our staff and employee like Dragan. But thinking about, right, there's so much more. What are those other interventions and threads of work that we're doing across the organization? So looking back on 2023, we um, authored and implemented a chain of command policy, right? So if we want to speak up, we've got the tool arc to ask a question, request a change, state that you have a safety concern, and if it's not being resolved, start to escalate that concern through the chain of command. So making sure that we have a chain of command policy that our local leaders dusted off and made sure the chain of command is relevant or created something that new, right? Our environment has been very fluid before, during, and after the pandemic. So making sure that all staff know what the chain of command is and is visible. Going into 2024, we're gonna start making sure that we're doing the things that we said we would do with that policy. So doing some edits, doing some rounds, going out and talking to our leaders and staff. We also know, hearing the stories like Dragon, right, where we prevented harm, hearing stories where preventable harm happened, we want our staff to report, but nobody is going to report if they're fearful that they're going to be blamed, that they're going to be shamed, that they're going to be punished, or that there's going to be retaliation. And so in our leadership skills and tools, we talk about just culture, we talk about our performance management decision guide, but it's awareness training. So now we have a just culture class for our local leaders, right? To talk about and ensure that all of our leaders have a consistent approach and response when an event happens and really digging into what is that performance management decision tool? How does that tool and algorithm work and where do I apply it daily? We started those classes this year. They'll be offered every month going into 2024 and we're looking forward to inviting more leaders into that course. Um, uh, what else can I say, right? We're going to continue growing the HRO safety and reliability coach program, but then thinking about like the reports, we have a voluntary patient safety reporting system. We hear about good catches through our segments and local leaders. We hear awards like the MHA speaking up. And so what are we doing with those safety events? So when we know that an event has happened, there's a deviation in our care, and we did harm a patient, and we do an event investigation. I think looking forward to 2024, it's improving the transparency, right? Sharing the lessons learned and shoring up our systems and closing the communication loop with our reporters, right? Nobody's going to keep reporting if they don't think 
the reports being listened to, investigated, or they don't see that the systems around them are improving. And then it's the good catch nominations. It's celebrating that strong work, celebrating high reliability and action. I loved Dragan's story, right? As he's talking, I'm like, attention to detail. I heard questioning attitude. I heard talking to others and wanting to validate and verify what I saw. I saw when he spoke up, right? People listened. We stopped the line and made sure we were doing the right things for the patient. So celebrating when we see that, because those are the stories that stick over time. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's that was an awesome story that Dragon had and just all the great things that are going on right now to to foster a speak up culture here in our organization. So thank you, Catherine, and thank you both so much for sharing your insights today. If you want to learn more about the safety promise and the invaluable high reliability work taking place across the organization, you can go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, it's time for the lightning round when we ask one of our guests four quick fire questions. Catherine, you lost an epic game of darts before the show, so you'll be in the hot seat today. Are you ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, so let's start with a sappy question. Thanksgiving, of course, recently passed. What would you say you're most thankful for right now? I am the most thankful for my family and their health because, um, we know at our house, your life can change on an instant, and neither one of those two things are guaranteed. So for sure, this fall, grateful for my family and that they are well. I love that. All right, let's get a little bit lighter. Last week in headlines, we met Bugle, a facility dog doing incredible things at Michigan Medicine. Are you a dog person? And if so, do you have any four-legged friends at home? I am a dog person. Admittedly, I'm a cat person too, but we absolutely, we are a house traditionally of golden retrievers, but currently have a very small teacup Maltese named Maisie Blue. Could you imagine? <laughs> okay. Earlier this week was National Cookie Day. So we need to know what is your favorite kind of cookie? Bailey, I love all cookies. I'm sure you know that, right? I, there is no cookie I would say no to. Um, if I had a favorite cookie, oh, it would probably be a sugar cookie, right? Because you can make lots of different shapes. It can be thematic and you can get pretty fun with the frosting and the topping. So I'll go with sugar cookie. I think that's a fair choice. Um, but you are an equal opportunity cookie eater and I appreciate that as well. <laughs> All right. Finally, the holidays are a popular time for travel. Where would be your ideal holiday destination? Anywhere that has warm sun, a whole lot of water, right? And nothing but good times around it. I would pick somewhere warm for sure. I am admittedly not a snow lover. So not Michigan. <laughs> not Michigan. <laughs> Those are great answers. Thanks, Catherine, for playing Thanks. along. And to both of you, for joining us today. If you want to learn more about HRO and the safety promise, you can go to mmheadlines.org. That's mmheadlines.org. All right, Bailey, we asked Catherine about her furry family members. And I think I know the answer to this, but do you have any pets at home? Yes. Yeah, so I just adopted a puppy. He's three months old, lab pit mix, and his name is Ace. Very cute, very good puppy so far, but um, we'll see as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, puppies are a lot of work, right? Yes especially working from home, trying to work and, you know, give him the attention he needs. So um, what about you? Yeah. So I have a little guy named Brady. We've had him in our family now for just over 10 years. So 
he's getting up there in age, but he is still as ridiculous and uh, crazy as ever. Um, but we love having him around. So, uh, you know, we, we, we'll keep him as long as we want, you know. No, but he's been a great addition to the family. Okay, it is time for the weekly trivia contest. This week's question is... For over a century, Michigan Medicine has been on a mission to bring Michigan answers to patients and families across Michigan and beyond. It's why University of Michigan Health is honored to have been named Michigan's number one hospital once again by U.S. News & World Report and to have been named year after year to the prestigious honor roll of the nation's top hospitals. If you need a Michigan answer in your life, think Michigan Medicine and visit michigananswers.com. Which facility recently celebrated its first anniversary and was designed to improve capacity management at Michigan Medicine? Once again, which facility recently celebrated its first anniversary and was designed to improve capacity management at Michigan Medicine? You can find the answer in a recent headline story, and once you know it, send it to headlines at med.umich.edu for the chance to win a prize. All right, that's all we have for today. Thank you again to Catherine and Dragon for joining us, and thanks, as always, to our listeners and viewers for everything you do for patients, families, and each other. We'll see you next week.